This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey, this is Brian Donovan, and you're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Leave Hurricane! It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words with no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. gentlemen welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah folks we got a great show for you today and by the end of this episode i will talk about why this is a monumental episode i am very happy at the results of what's happening today because of this episode and all of you so stay tuned for all that at the end but we got two reviews to talk about today. First, Masters of the Universe Revelations just premiered on Friday on Netflix. We're going to talk about Kevin Smith's new vision for this franchise. And then in our talk topic of the week, we're going to talk about Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origin, and give my thoughts on the reboot. This is an absolute reboot, no matter what the, uh, that Adult Swim commercial said. This is a reboot. Um and, and how they did, how how this is going to shape up. I am very interested in talking about this uh, movie indeed. So we're going to do that. Uh, there's never really nothing else to talk about this week. This is San Diego Comic-Con week. So we'll talk about what I thought about the hype for this in accordance to the previous years and all this stuff. So um, and then amongst some of the announcements that came by as well. So let's not waste any time, folks. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now, it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. All right, folks, before we talk about San Diego Comic-Con week, um, we're just going to get right down to it. I want to talk about my thoughts and review of Masters of the Universe. We're just going to start this off at the top of the hour and... Give my thoughts on this. This 
I, you know, there's been a lot of talk on social media. I found this out after the fact of why I enjoyed this series. <laughs> of course, when it comes to social media, social media is good for one thing. Bitter people on Twitter. <laughs> and the problem is that everybody's going to have a reason to be bitter and have an opinion about something or just hate on something just for the sake of hating. I felt like, and I'm a big, and I'm, I'm, I'm not being biased because of my fandom for Kevin Smith. Um, I think Kevin Smith's a terrific director. I think he's a great writer. I don't think he knocks it out the park every single time. He has had some misses. We all know. We all seen Jersey Girl. We all seen, uh, who was the other one? Is um, I forgot the other one he had with uh, Bruce Willis and uh, I forgot his name. The, the Bruce Willis movie that he did, um, which he talks about fondly <laughs> in his Q&As. But he's also done some tremendous ones as well. And that one he did with his... Uh, which was his his daughter with the the vampire zombie uh bratwurst or hot dogs that was horrible i cannot defend that there's no way it started off like it was going to be a like another great kevin smith movie and then it just went totally like this was at the time you could tell that movie i forgot the name of that movie too you could tell when that movie started was before he started smoking weed and directly at the time when he started smoking weed because that movie just it was awful it was absolutely awful it just went total 180 so not all of his movies are as successful but the ones that are they are iconic and he's on the process of making clerks three right now so i am looking very much forward to that because i love the first two um but he where he's the showrunner for masters of the universe and what a show did he make he had the first five episodes and take note to all of our listeners here these are the first five episodes i have to emphasize like i have to emphasize that because people on social media went off the deep end because of how the show ended this is part one and this is the i talked about this before and if you're a listener, if you're one of those people listening on social media, take heed of this because this is the reality. You may be one of these people. You may not be. There are some people on social media who like to ma- use social media as a mask to hide their intelligence. They want to be can they, they want to be known as a person of intellect. But when they articulate on social media, it is everything but. And they are so quick to answer and, and and comment before they observe the situation. They are so quick to just, these are the same people who read only the headlines, but don't read the article. This are, these are people with short attention spans. We live in a short attention society and we, I don't know how we can get out of this because I think social media platforms like Twitter have conformed our generation into this very short-minded type of way where everything just happens so fast. You want everything so fast. You don't let the slow burn happen. That is what Kevin Smith was doing here. Kevin Smith, he, he 
here's the thing. And I think also people wanted to see a reboot of the series or was expecting a reboot of the series. In fact, this is not a reboot. This is a continuation. They call it a spiritual sequel. That being paying homage to the past of what we watched in the eighties. A lot of people who are watching, I think our demographic of maybe 18 to 45. And if you're like me, I'm 44. I am one of those people who watched it back when it was for, when it first aired, you know, for Saturday morning. I watched that cartoon back in the day, so I'm very fondly familiar with that show. He made a spiritual sequel. That means that he played off of the essence of that uh, that show, the series, and <clears throat> played off of some of the story elements, which was for, for a show based on a toy line, was pretty damn good. There weren't too many gaps in the holes of that show. So it helped them to be able to continue. So they weren't reinventing the wheel by making a reboot. They were continuing the wheel and keeping it going. And that's what well, that's what I understood from this is that he took everything we loved about the first show, the original series, not the remakes of the other ones that came after the original show and continued it, answering questions about the original show that we never thought about asking about or getting a deeper understanding of the characters based on that show. That's what he did here. That's what I need people to understand. I people were so quick to jump at him because what they were seeing was Tila being uh, the main focus and evil limb being the main focus and Arco being, it gave room because we know everything about Adam. We know everything about Cringer. We know everything about, you know, He-Man and the saucers this gave us but every once in a while there were characters in there like tila like man at arms like evil lynn who were back who were side characters to skeletor and he-man this gave kevin smith a chance to explore the inner workings of that because he's trying to create a whole type of mcu type of universe for this franchise so you have to get to know this i don't understand why marvel why the marvel cinematic universe or the arrowverse to that extent has to be the only ones that can do this now if you do the formula right you can expand on this and that's what he's doing he's expanding on what was already done in the 80s people are so quick to under to not understand that because they're just they want what they want when they want it how they want it he actually is giving you what you want, how you want it. Because if he didn't change the storyline and everything the way that they want it, people would complain. So it's like, it's it's a, you damned if you do, or you damned if you don't type of situation. And he's damned if he's doing. And what he's doing right now is he's not changing anything about the main story. He's continuing it. Yes, Adam is dead. He-Man is dead. Tila had to, this is a what if, situation like we got marvel's what if happening right now and marvel what if is based on thing like what if some of the things happen differently in the world that we know this is kind of like a take on the what if factor but this is happening as canon to the universe and in this whole entire thing the premise of this basically is adam he-man 
Skeletor technically sort of kind of died, leaving a whole bunch of situations going on with the idea that Tila, first of all, let's just go ahead. So first of all, let me just start by saying I love the first series, the first episode, because it's just the first half of it. And there's 10 episodes of people actually looked online and researched and going to IMDb and see there are 10 episodes of this. This is only part one, meaning we don't know what the hell's going to happen here. And I like the fact that Kevin Smith was ballsy enough to flip the script and giving us something that we never saw before from the series. There was turmoil within the kingdom. He man and Adam and Skeletor are thought to be perish after the battle. Tila decides to leave her rank and position after because she was made the new man at arms. And which, you know, which was originally her father's, you know, um, position. And, you know, things have to evolve. Think you have to have a, 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 a new chapter and a story. And that's what Kevin gave us. You know, I, I just don't get it. People, people are just, they're never satisfied. Tila decides to uh, leave her rank and position after finding out that her longtime friend, Adam, was He-Man. So this is like Lois Lane finally finding out that uh, Clark was Superman. That's plainly what's going on here. And that man at arms and the queen knew about it all along. And she was definitely hurt from this, you know, understandably so <laughs> because she felt that you couldn't trust her enough to keep that secret that they had to protect her at all times. And she felt like, oh, so you guys had to protect me. So I would just what, you know, and that, that did something to her. That makes a lot of sense. The king also banished man at arms from the kingdom, never to be seen again or never to build new tech. He cannot do it anymore. So that was a situation like these are all scenarios and, and narratives that we never thought we would see because when we watched the original show, it was always just around the same thing. Rent, rinse, wash, repeat. He may save Eternia or save Castle Grayskull. Skeletor would do his bidding. Evil Lynn will follow Skeletor uh, and Beast and all, as well as Beastman and everybody else of his horde. And Tila would never know about what's going on. She never found out. And we never saw a continuation of that because the series stopped. People need to stop and realize this. Take a breath and realize this, okay? Orko. You know, it, it like we get to learn more, a lot more about Orko here. I think this, this is a thing too. People react to the first reaction of the time. If they watch it again, just like I did with um with Black Widow. After watching Black Widow at least two or three more times, I it's still not one of my top favorite movies, but I learned to understand and respect it. It's still just a a side story at best, but I understand it. It is still not an awful movie, but I understand what was going on with here and I respect it. Regardless, this is kind of the same thing. You got to go back and watch it again and really get a thorough understanding. You're not getting the whole thing the first time around. So. I mean, everything was happening here. We, you know, Arco, you know, magic is declining and health after, you know, a year or so after, you know, Tila departed. Time goes by. We see a more mas muscular Tila, retired, new hairstyle from her duties with uh, the Kingdom of Eternia, along with her new friend, Andrea, um, who goes out on various adventures together. 
I want to take note here. I definitely want to take note of something else that I love that Kevin Smith did here as well. The one thing that was evident about this version of uh, Masters of the Universe is that the amount of representation in this series, because I could be wrong, but I don't I, I don't believe there was any black characters in the original show. So, yeah, people could say it's woke or whatever like that. Whatever whatever dude or whatever who the hell you are i see some valid changes and some valid you know story developments and character development that was much needed to make people a little bit more relevant and important here and i love what he did and i thank him for what he did here um so not only that not only did they have black characters in the series but they also have some major importance here in there as well as in the series He-Man's Legacy. An elderly woman talks to Tila and Andra uh, into, and by the way, Andra is based on a character in the comics. I believe this character is only seen like one time. So they actually brought more relevance to this character and changed her, gave, you know, gave her a, um, a race swap, if you will. So it was really cool that they were able to take liberties with that character make it something more relevant to it as well um so the old the the elderly woman talks to Taylor and Andra into a quest to retrieve an object I believe from the from Castle Grayskull in order to help find a friend it was right there I kind of knew what was going on here um if you watch the series long enough over the years the original series that is um, you kind of get the idea that the old woman is sorceress because she's known for doing stuff like this before Yet, at this time, Tila is still unaware of the sorceress being her mother. Uh, which, Man in Arms, many times was trying to explain this to her, but they kept getting cut off at this time. We got five more episodes to go. I'm pretty sure that's going to be revealed now, especially now that she knows that Adam is, uh, is you know, He-Man at this point. So, yeah. So, um, Tila agrees instantly and sets out to sets out on a journey but seeks help of some old friends. And this is where she finds Arco and sees that Arco is weathered and, you know, really on and really in his deathbed, weakened from his time. You know, um, you know, Man-at-Arms is just, you know, he's helped trying to help him just a lot. On the journey, she learns about the horrific aftermath of her friends and foes. Um, fate in is determined to make things right, even if it means teaming up with the likes of Evil Lynn and Beastman. Um, some great moments, which I thought really helped the character development between, um, ca you know, certain characters like Evil Lynn and Orko having some touching moments. It was, I, it, this was, this, you know, these moments like this, it was moments like this that, you know, this is where Kevin Hart really, um, I said Kevin Hart, Kevin Smith really shines because Kevin Smith really does a great job. If you watch any of the clerks movies or, um, chasing Amy and all that stuff, some of his best scenes are when it are just two people sitting together and they just having a really engaging, deep conversation where y'all get to know each other. And it, it's a real moment. And he managed to bring that essence of his writing onto this, uh, this animated version. And I thought he did a great job. I love this, this, um, camaraderie and, and, and chemistry between Arco and evil Lynn, and they really got to know each other. Um, Orko revealing that his real name 
is actually Oracle. And I thought this was this to me. I thought this was awesome. Uh, but his child, but as a child, he could only pronounce it Orco. So it was actually Orico, Oracle the whole entire time. And it, um, we also learned that we got a chance to learn that Orco's parents had him uh, had high expectations for him, but felt bad that he could uh, never live up to them. So that's why they called him Oracle, but he felt comfortable calling himself Orco. But by this point, he already knew how to spell, say Oracle, but he didn't want to be shunned by his peers if by not being able to live up to that name. So Orco just fit better. I thought that was really well written in this part. Um, Lynn also uh, gave him some touching advice and encouragement, you know, and gives, you know, it was really cool. It was really, really cool. Uh, Evil Lynn at this point, you know, there's no Skeletor around and she starts to wonder and think about what she could have done with her life instead of actually working with Skeletor. Um, we also saw a scene with both Taylor and Lynn had, uh, had this moment of clarity talking about that. Like what we done had we not been, you know, reliant on the, on the Skeletor or He-Man and all this stuff. So they have that moment as well. So uh, I want to talk about the cast as well. I believe I should have had them up there. Uh, give me a sec. I'll grab this up because the performance, the the character, um, the actual cast is a powerhouse cast of people. I mean, my goodness. And if you go watch the aftermath of the actual, uh, let me see. Yeah, we go. Yeah, if you saw the after, there's an aftermath uh, show that um, they have on Netflix as well with Kevin Smith interviewing some of the cast members on there and their experiences on here. So Kevin Smith went all out. I mean, he went all out here. We got Chris Wood, who um, played on um, Supergirl. He was one of my all-time favorite characters on Supergirl. He played um, Monel on air, so he was He Man. Sarah Michelle Geller, who was uh, who's Tila. And by the way, if anybody's worried about Tila on this show, taking over the show, again, had those had all you uh, blockheads out there looked at T. Um, I'm sorry, looked at um, IMDb, you will see that Sarah Michelle Geller will be in six of the 10 episodes, okay? So I don't think she's taking over the entire show. Meanwhile, He-Man, Chris Wood, is in for eight of the 10 episodes. Put two and two together right there for those who think Teal is taking over. Again, I say it, social media. It doesn't hide one's intelligence. It exposes it. Remember that, kids. So we got Lena Headley, uh, Hetty as uh, Evil Lynn. Uh, by the way, Evil Lynn stay hot, no matter what version of her she is. <laughs> Whether she's a cartoon version, the live action version, regardless, she stay drop dead hot, no matter what. I'm just want to point that out. The great Mark Hamill as Skeletor and my God, did he play that role to a T? Mark Hamill is just, he's one of the greatest voice actors of all time, bar none. Um, just absolutely lovely. Tiffany Smith, um, I people may not, I don't think know that name, but she's, you know, talk about uh, San Diego Comic-Con. She is normally seen 
working with um i mean she's acted on a bunch of different you know shows she's been on vice she's been on harry and megan um you know becoming royal in 2019 uh supernatural but she's also mostly known for being a moderator for a lot of san diego comic-con dc uh panels that's where i first saw her i've seen her in quite a few that i've attended um but she's Audra Hare. She's playing that role. She's in for five episodes. We got one of my favorite guys, uh, Dietrich uh, Bader from, uh, what is that show? American Housewife is on here. He also is known for playing Batman a lot. Um, he's He's been Batman on quite a few shows, including uh, the Bo- Brave and the Bold. So he's uh, trap jaw here. We got Susan Eisenberg, who's normally, uh, I believe, Wonder Woman in, in the uh, original Justice League series. She's uh, Sorceress here. Uh, Liam Cunningham as my, uh, Man at Arms from Game of Thrones. He's awesome. Justin Long as Roboto. Kevin Michael Richardson as Beastman. Kevin Henry Rollins, for God's sake, rock legend. Henry Rollins as uh, Triclops. Griffin Newman, who's known for um, The Tick. He's uh, Orko in here. And I thought he did a great Orko. I thought he was awesome as arco he's author on the tick by the way he's like co-star you know co uh the, the sidekick um i thought his performance as arco was really well because the, the scenes where we saw the aftermath of what happened to arco he was really withered he was really down he was weakened i thought he really captured that role really well it's kevin michael richson as beast man it's kevin michael richson what you expect uh steven rot from i believe office space and, and a whole bunch of other great shows and uh believe news radio as well love him he played cringer in here i mean just, the cast is just awesome Cree summers as uh priestess she's on for three episodes wanted uh, also legendary in <laughs> the voice acting world dennis haysbert as king grayskull can i say thank you kevin smith for making the very first he-man ever a black man <laughs> okay that was awesome to discover that the very like the guy the first he-man was king grayskull who they named the castle after him and apparently this dude was like this big muscular dude with dreadlocks and all this or locks i should say i'm so respectfully saying for those who don't know dreadlocks is kind of a derogatory term locks is usually the respectful term to call it there's a history behind the term dreadlocks go google it that's all i'm gonna say but it was awesome to see him on here and play this role. And, you know, it was pretty cool. Um, I do also want to point out that if you are if you are a true fan of Masters of the Universe, especially if you grew up watching not only the t- series, but watched the original movie with Dolph Lundgren on there, you will notice something a, 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 a big a little bit of a nod to that, because Mark Hamill in the first episode when him and He-Man clash, he says the line, this will be our final battle. And if you watch the movie, the live action movie from back in the day with Dolph Lundgren, that was one of the most iconic lines in that movie. Um, because at the when you watch the old trailer from the movie, that was the one line that they did. And they showed He-Man and Skeletor about the battle and they their sword and, and uh, his, his staff clash together and just thunder and lightning goes by and it's like oh god i want to see this movie this this looks awesome now the movie wasn't the best you know representation of masters in the universe in the world because they did the 
the old, you know, these these guys are coming are coming from, you know, one planet and dimension and going into the real world of of Earth type of storyline, kind of what Sonic did just recently and kind of what Space Jam did is that storyline instead of them just, you know, focusing everything on Eternia. They brought the they brought the world of Eternia to Earth. So it was kind of it, it was kind of that weak storyline. It was one of the first movies to ever really do that type of storyline. It's not the best storyline in the world. It worked for Sonic. It worked for Space Jam. Doesn't work for everybody. But that was one of the lines that was referencing the old movie. So if you actually watched the movie and remember it uh, fondly as much as I did, you would catch that line. So I thought that was awesome there. But this this cast was so awesome. I, I if anything the the the, uh, the actual voice acting in here was beyond solid um the animation to me was beautifully done it was exactly what you want to see from a new animated movie i mean from an animated series based on a beloved 80s series that also has some great beautiful art style and anim- what well, animation was actually better than the original but the art style was great back then and it's even just as great if not better now so for me Despite all the the short attention span critics out there, I love what he did with this. I absolutely, absolutely love what he did. I, and to me, I don't really see a problem with what he did because this is not the end. This is only the first five episodes. For people to judge the first five episodes, I can't even really give this a rating. Now, if I give this a rating, if I give this a grade right now, it... I would still say I would still give it an A, but right now we did we. This is only the first part. Yes, Adam died twice. <laughs> I, I laugh at that because I don't believe he's dead. I don't believe he's dead. Rather, here's the way I see this going. This to me is unfinished, so I can't really, I can't really give this any justice. I cannot give this any justice at all. It's it's humorous that everybody's quick to judge this thing, and this thing hasn't. It's only for the first five episodes. So I have I. It's two things that I can see happening here. Tila can take over that sword, which I have no problems with, even though they already have Shira out, and that would kind of that to me would kind of it it I, I, it would kind of bother me in the sense that they made the Shira series. But they're distancing themselves from the Masters Universe, and that was a complete spinoff. They already made a Shira uh, series that people absolutely love, despite the character design, the, the really cartoony character design. But I kind of wouldn't mind Tila taking over the sword, but I would lo- be a little bit bothered by it because then it's like, okay, where's He-Man getting? You know, it will. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a really rough situation, you know, so there it looks like they there's possibilities that they're not connecting the two shows together, which obviously they can't because of the character, you know, it's it's a, it's a rough edge. I would love to see Adam come back and it looks like that he is scheduled to come back in some form or fashion. That's just my my prediction. I don't know anything about it. But I wouldn't mind seeing Tila with the sword either. But I do believe that Adam is coming back. I think this is just 
a way of, you know, them just throwing us off. Because one, here's the other thing. <laughs> when Skeletor stabbed Adam, I it just felt like he stabbed him in an area where he's he they could fix that area. You know, I I you know I'm not a doctor by any stretch, but it didn't look like that area was a a a vital area that he would die. I mean, now granted, he could die from blood loss or whatever like that. Who knows? We don't know because it ended so abruptly. It was open ended. You know, we don't know if he's dying. And even even so, if you look at the um, the Heat Masters of the Universe Revelant, uh, Re uh, Revelation special that they have on Netflix, Kevin Smith kind of slips a little bit and says, you know, it's possible that he's dead. But he killed him off twice, but the possible of killing him off the second time, I think he's coming back. I think he's coming back. So I, in this case, People need to chill and just wait to see the rest of it. They so quick to jump off for the first half of this. I absolutely enjoy it. I love what they're doing here. I don't know why people are in an uproar, but everybody's been in an uproar since 2020. Everybody has been trying to displace their anger upon something. And this is the newest thing to displace their anger on. People just want to find a reason to be upset at something and people chill the hell out. It's not that deep. It is really not that deep. If you really sit down and focus and look at what he's done in accordance to what they've done in the eighties. And this is another thing I'm at, I have my had to talk about this, about this on, um, our talk topic with snake eyes, because I'm going to have to bring up the same thing. People need a big deal out about the first two movies. We got to take note here. If you're trying to look for an Oscar, Emmy, Golden Globe winning series out of everything that you watch, you will be heartbroken because not everything is meant to be made for an award. If they get an award for it, that is fine. But I'm I'm pretty sure there is no intention for any of these shows, especially something from G.I. Joe or He-Man, where it was from the 80s. And a lot of those 80s cartoons were based on toy lines so the premise the narrative the storylines in your childhood had plot holes major plot holes in there it was just to show and sell toys there was no intention to have a strong narrative to it it wasn't meant to be episodic none of the 80s shows connected what they were was great looking cartoons back then that encouraged us to want to buy the toys or our parents to buy the toys for that matter. That is it. They had no, not even Transformers is love. It was much I love Transformers. Had no real narrative until now. Transformers possibly being the strongest of them to have a, a, a continuing episodic narrative, but it wasn't that strong. There were plot holes to everything. There was logic issues with a lot of these cartoons. The, at this time, this is the strongest I've seen any of these things. Voltron was awesome. Voltron was absolutely awesome what they did. And that was a reboot. <laughs> Make no mistake about it. That was a reboot. This right here is a celebration of what was done in the past, which was actually, like I said, pretty good for what it was worth. And they're playing, they're piggybacking off of some of the character developments of that and strengthening them and making them better. I'm going to be contrarian here 
And if I had to give this a grade for the first five episodes, I'm giving it an A. Deal with it. <laughs> but go back, watch it again. Even go back and watch the original series because I believe that is available on Netflix too. And then watch this and see what they went with this. I just think people are just so quick to jump off the deep end. It's it's a shame, but it is what it is. Go out of your way and watch it and enjoy it. And case in point, I believe the people on the ACMG group enjoyed it as well because we got some great reactions. We got more positive to negative reactions to it. So there you have it. It's not everybody. It's, it's probably even a vocal minority of people at best. So, all right, we're moving on people. San Diego Comic-Con week. I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed in San Diego Comic-Con week because, and not, I, I wouldn't necessarily blame San Diego Comic-Con because it's still, the pandemic is still around as much as things have changed, but we got a new variant coming. <laughs> that's that's really taking people out too and i will not stress this out again people get vaccinated so we can enjoy and have fun especially in october in new york but i digress I, it, it's just something about this year with san diego comic-con i think it, it's it's definitely showing and it was not that much buzz going on as it was prior years and i think a lot of it has a lot to do with the lack of Marvel in the lives of San Diego Comic-Con. The biggest, just like E3. In E3, Sony is the biggest marquee presentation of that event. Always. They were always the one to have some of the biggest news and most exciting news going on there, followed by Nintendo and then followed by Xbox. Now, Sony's not there and we had the worst E3 ever undoubtedly the worst e3 ever this was kind of not as bad as e3 but the lack of marvel or marvel announcements or anything definitely played a factor because we now we know marvel has distanced himself from san diego comic-con to create their own thing which is d23 which is it's cool but it's sad so like god it's really really sad san diego comic-con i when I went, it was the Mecca. When I went, it was totally because I saw Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston gets absolute credit for this. And I like the fact on, um, by the way, the assembled episode where uh, um, where they do the making of Loki, uh, Loki is available now on Disney Plus. And on there, he talks about how when he first did Loki and, he, and, and Kevin Feige came out and gave him the idea to come out of the stage as Loki in front of Hall H and all of the fans out there. And I remember seeing that for the first time. And when I saw that and he, and the lights went off and he appeared out of nowhere and he was in total Loki, Loki character. And he kept telling the audience to say my name and the crowd was so, he had the crowd in the palm of his hands and I wanted to be there so bad so much so i went twice now granted each time unfortunately i did not go to hall h to check out the marvel deal because those lines i was not camping out of those lines but being there alone was still an awesome experience to get that information to be able to get you know announcements and report those announcements on social media 
immediately upon learning these things. And um, one of which, unfortunately, two things that never unfortunately came to fruition. And that was um, the sequel to Street Fighter Assassin's Fist that never came. And then the other one being um, that 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 uh, Street Fighter, that Tekken Cross Street Fighter game that we were promised from Bandai Namco never came. In its place was Tekken 7 because they had Akuma in there. And that was the closest thing that we ever got to the crossover thing right there. So I, the whole Bandai Namco thing, that, that's a whole entire discussion. I think I love that company, but they're, some of what they do in terms of marketing and promotion is nothing short of smoking mirrors. I would just put it at that. They, they don't tell everybody what they're doing, but they make they they make an illusion of what they're doing and what they're doing is great. So it's, you know, it is what it is. But I digress. This year, because of COVID, they couldn't have a live showing. So they did their SDCC uh, at home virtual event, which I've seen some of it. And here's the problem. Here is the problem. It was overwhelming virtually like we get, we get to see a ton of what they were able to do this year but it just felt like it was so much going on even still at home like you can only watch but so much in a day <laughs> they had tons of different virtual panels to watch and all of them were pretty good to some extent um but overall man it was uh it was the it was it was a lot and a lot of what they had wasn't all some things like some of the panels that you had virtually that you got to watch were some things that were probably more enjoyable live some of the panels that you were able to do it was just sometimes better live they did their hip-hop and comics uh culture combining panel uh virtual uh panel again this one was a little bit they changed it up i don't know why they changed it up like this is the one that mega ran you know shout out to him normally is a part of every year they did it last year and he was a part of it he was briefly a part of it as opposed to like a lot of them usually being in there they didn't have last year's uh virtual panel was awesome i thought they did a great job with that this year was not so much and in the sense that they it was only like the main guy who puts it together and then it was like another dude who i didn't recognize in there so you know it was that the honestly they was there was uh some other things as well you know dragon a lot of things were just panels uh, behind the scene panels of um writers and producers executive producers showrunners of some of our favorite shows um we had the family guy one again this year with the cast and we had um you know just american dad we had bandai which uh some people were not happy with that panel uh, going on so i mean it was just it was rough it was pretty rough man um there was some batman along uh halloween part two so i mean some dc love in there avatar legends was on there i think that was the um video game the video games arts and myths i mean there was a lot of things to look at but none of them were like media newsworthy this year and i think that was the thing like a lot of these virtual panels this year were like the extra stuff that you would get you get to check out at cons um no jim lee no jim lee panels this year i see i mean it was none of that um so i mean that was unfortunate 
that was one of the main things that you know you had here they got a rick and morty panel in here um again it was they had some of the cast members there you know chris parnell and uh sarah um uh sarah uh chocolate i believe I forgot how to, um, uh the voice of beth <laughs> in there um spitzer grammar who plays summer you know some of them you know they had some really cool ones in here tom mcfarland was in there i mean a lot of these were are really like that rick and morty one guaranteed would have been like a ballroom 20 um event and ballroom 20 for those who don't know is like the second largest hall in the san diego convention center it would have been awesome to watch that and fill up on that and i you know it, it would have been it would have been great to see that um but saying it virtually i don't think people were that much interested and in it. it wasn't that much newsworthy at all like if you go into like the ign's and the game spots and the entertainment weeklies and all the stuff and eth you know san diego comic-con just wasn't buzzing this year this wasn't the biggest thing you know to talk about this year there was no really big news coming out of it except for you know just little things actually the biggest news that really came out of this year um this year was actually dragon ball <laughs> so and i i noticed that last year i noticed that last year maybe in 2019 i'm not sure um that with the lack of marvel in, in, uh, in their hands i think they're reverting to anime now i think that is the thing they don't have much of dc either because i believe repop has uh re you know uh dc uh locked for them so i think that may be the situation there. i could be wrong about that too but the fact that jim lee wasn't shown on here i don't know if there's some like exclusivity to repop or whatever like that i'm not sure yes i do i am contracted with them but i don't not the deep end of everything that they have with there right now you know I'm, I'm in the anime division at the moment but it just seems that um and i'm independent contractor by the way so i don't have any inside information on that <laughs> so i'll just put it to you like that um but yeah it's uh it was it was really really an interesting situation here but it looks like like uh, the last couple of years a few years that they've been focused on anime and announcements of anime big anime events especially when it comes to funimation and bandai or whatever like that like this is the second year that they the biggest presentation and exhibit that they had even virtually was dragon ball and from this we got the announcement that a new dragon ball super movie is coming and we all knew that this was coming it was rumored that this was happening uh so that's what we got we got the announcement there was a teaser trailer that was announced but along with that it was also a huge virtual uh it was a virtual booth that they presented like they really made a big like if you go into their website the biggest thing that they have in there is in fact you know the dragon ball uh deal they made a whole big presentation if you go in here there's this awesome virtual tour that you go into this booth in here it was, it was pretty cool um so the new movie for dragon ball super is going to be called dragon ball super superhero which is uh coming in 2022 san diego comic-con went out of their way to create this elaborate website with uh which allows you to go on this virtual tour of this dragon ball ca uh capsule core booth that would have been part of the live event i guarantee you this would have been something that was shown and you would be able to go into and if the event was live if not for covid 
think about that. People who are not vaccinated. We could have had this and been able to go in this live. They hope. Think about this. 2022. Let's get it together, because even if I'm not going, I want people to be able to go and enjoy what I've been enjoying for, for um, in 2014 and 2017. Unfortunately, without Marvel, possibly, but still, it's still an awesome experience. Um, as you now, I, 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 let's talk about what was in this virtual booth here, because it was awesome. It was everything that I would have normally saw had I gone or had you have gone to a San Diego Comic Con. So it, this was the closest to a San Diego Comic Con experience as you could possibly get. So as you enter the area, you see like life-size statues of um, the Z Warriors, including Vegeta, Piccolo, Trunks, Krillin, Yamcha, Young Gohan, um, Tien, and Chaosu in there. So there's also a life-size version of the motorcycle that Bulma rode in the original series in there. As you enter further in, if you click the mouse, it allows you to go further in, or you can also do this on uh, tablets as well. And I believe on your smartphones. Um, so they, it was really well, it was really well put together. Uh, so as you enter further, you will see a plate place. There are like different sections and different sections for different things in here. You will see a place where you can watch the um, Dragon Ball Super panel starring the producers, directors, I believe some of the voices of the Japanese cast as well on there. And that's where they announced the movie uh, on the on the walls. You will see a gallery of uh, various DV, uh, DVZ covers and Dragon Ball Super covers of uh, showing the history of the movies there, which was pretty cool. Uh, there was a, there is another wall where you will see all of the volumes of manga from every Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Super. Unfortunately, GT, I don't think they ever made GT for a manga. I'm not I'm not quite sure, but I don't think they care either because that was just one that they wanted to <laughs> not associate with as well. The next room celebrates the show's game history, which this was I really love every game. Uh, every game ever made dating back to the original NES game, uh, which was known in America as Dragon Power. Unbeknownst to us, that was actually the Dragon Ball game. They, for some reason, it was a licensing issue and they couldn't do it because at the time we didn't know what Dragon Ball was in America when that game came out. There was the one Dragon Ball special that would come annually every year that people that we would have watch and enjoy, but they never decided to market it to the American audience. And it wasn't marketed until like late nineties or, or mid to late nineties when, because of we were tape trading it by then and we were seeing what was, what was being missed in America and we wanted more. So the cat was out of the bag. Japan started like, you know, companies started licensing the rights to be able to air Dragon Ball in America. Finally, uh, Dragon Ball Z that is, and it was on. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of kids today don't realize what we had to go through to watch anime back then because anime wasn't as accessible as it is now. We didn't have Funimation. We didn't have Crunchyroll or, or Retro Crush and all that stuff. Back then, a lot of anime was in Japan. They would we the only anime that we were we were seeing at the time was Speed Racer, Star Blazers, Battle of the Planets. But we didn't call them anime back then. It was just cartoons. We that term was never really made until like late 90 or early 90s uh at best and it was a it was a debate between calling it japanimation or anime and anime one so the uh situation here is that we didn't have the games either so we got 
every game dating back and i actually own some of these imports as well i own a few of these uh <laughs> ports that we uh have here i still have ultimate battle 22 i still have um dragon ball legends from that played on the playstation uh both of which later on made it to america uh i believe they did come in america later on uh by high demand and uh we had it then and then shortly after all these other dragon ball games started coming um but every one of the games were in this in this uh section here uh, so that was cool from dating from the original NES version to the latest one, which is Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, which is now and soon will be on the Nintendo Switch next month. So stay tuned for that. The next room shows this toy. Oh, my God. It's enormous toy line collection. Um, a lot of it brand new. All of it. I, I would say all of it is brand new um, in which you could click on a button and you could see close ups and details of every single character from Bandai to Banpresto, which by the way, Banpresto is the best ones of them all. They look fantastic. And uh, another company named uh, Entry Grade 6, which all are available pre-order right now. So if you are what if you want to see or want to buy some awesome, I mean absolutely awesome, well sculpted Dragon Ball stature statue figures, head over to that right now and go and go after Banpresto. They are the best. Uh, I I order um I got the uh Midoriya Bam Presto one either. It's just very well sculpted in detail. Just fantastic. Um the next room. I think that was the last room. That was the last room, and they just showed all the you know. So overall, the presentation and announcement for the movie was everything that you would expect from San Diego Comic Con live event. It was possibly the best presentation of all of San Diego Comic Con by far. And probably and absolutely one one of the biggest announcements coming from there. I just think when I saw it, I love what they did. It was beautifully done. I thought they did a great job with this uh, virtual online presentation and this booth that lets you tour through it for those, especially for those who never ever has have been to a San Diego Comic-Con event. You got to see a little bit of what normally is there at San Diego Comic-Con. The sad part about it is that Hopefully they br they'll bring this back next year when they actually have a live event, because being able to walk in there and take pictures and all that stuff and it, it, it would have been such an awesome. It just makes me even more sad that we aren't able to get it because of COVID. Second, also by the fact that people aren't taking this seriously and getting it done. I, I, I won't get into it, but it is what it is and it ain't what it ain't. So we'll just take it from there. But great job on them with the announcement of the movie, the presentation, everything. It was just, it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, the other biggest news coming out this weekend was the announcement of a Witcher anime coming later this year. The spinoff to the Netflix series based on the characters, uh, Vizimir, who is Gerald's uh, mentor and adoptive father, played by Theo James. Um, this will be based on his early days as the witch as a witcher making this a prequel uh there's a trailer out right now it looks awesome it looks fantastic beautifully done uh while we are waiting for the much anticipated second season of the live action series we won't have to wait too long for the uh for this as night of the wolf as it is entitled will be available august 23rd so get ready i believe this is a movie by the way too so uh, get ready. This looks absolutely fantastic. And I believe this is an anime. They're calling us an anime, not anime inspired. Maybe it is, but we'll see. 
Um, my last, no, my second to last bit of information is my thoughts on Justice, Injustice God Among Us, the animated movie. We actually got a first look at what it's going to look like. They, there was an image that's been uh, provided by Warner Brothers uh, Animation. While I am, or probably was anticipating this movie, we got our first look at this. Take note, Injustice God, Gods Among Us is actually based on a NetherRealm game. NetherRealm is created is the creators of Mortal Kombat, as well as Injustice God Among Us. They also are the ones who are working on the upcoming sequel to the Mortal Kombat Legends movie. That movie, which I said was really good in terms of storytelling and animation, but I did not like the character design. So NetherRealm, is also in charge. Obviously, it's also in charge of Injustice God Among Us as well. As a result of the character design and look of this upcoming movie, because it's designed and drawn by the exact same person who works on Mortal Kombat Legends. And at that point, I looked at this and was like, "Damn, I am so I'm I'm, I'm disappointed by this. I I feel like." It's, this was still going to be a really good movie. I feel like the animation is going to be great. I feel like the storytelling is going to be great. They got an entirely entire new cast as well, too. Like um, the original two games were voiced by the characters from the actual Justice League Unlimited series, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, they have changed the uh, cast around again. So which is not a it's not a bad cast either. It's really not a bad cast at all. They have um, Jillian Jacobs as Harley Quinn. Uh, Jillian Jacobs from uh, Community. She's really great. Justin Harley is Superman. Now, if you don't recognize that name, you probably remember who uh, the, the roles that he played. He actually was the original Green Arrow in Smallville. He was like the prototype template for the Stephen Amell Arrow because he had the hood and all the stuff. And I don't think they had a hood until they added that version of him in the cop, it, it, like from Smallville. And then you seen him in the comics and then Stephen Amell took over and became the green hooded or green arrow as well. They didn't want to go with the Robin Hood one and I respect that. But Justin Hartley was not only, not only the original green arrow for the live action series, but for Smallville, but he was also Aquaman. And a lot of people don't know that. If you go on HBO Max, they should have the original pilot that he played as Aquaman on air, because for those who didn't uh, subscribe to the DC Universe app, um, when they used to play, when they used to uh, stream all their old episodes and new series on there, like Titans and all that stuff, they had all of their old episodes. Now, all of it is migrated onto HBO Max, and now you're able to watch it there. So the Aquaman pilot episode should be on air as well starring him and let me tell you that was actually a really good pilot and it was after watching i was like damn why did they finish this why did they continue off with this dc is known for canceling things so early and this was one of them this is the same thing that you know just the same thing that happened to this that happened to constantine that happened to um what was that uh swamp thing 
you know, they, 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 they are quick to cancel something, man. I swear. So he's playing Superman, uh, Laura Bailey as Lois Lane, um, Anson Mount as Batman. I don't recognize him particularly from anything I have seen before, but Hey, we got another Batman here. Oliver Hudson. I love this dude. Uh, he's played on some of my favorite shows, uh, especially Rules of Engagement. <laughs> it's one of my favorite shows. So he's playing Plastic Man, which, by the way, there are characters that are going to be in this movie that was not originally in the two video games. I believe and it might be because they're based on a comic, but the comic was also based directly from the events of the video game. So all of that is canon. So I don't know where to what end they're going with here, but I don't I never read the the uh, Injustice comics, even though I heard they were awesome. Um, and I was surprised that it was an ongoing comic because normally when they do comics based on video games, it's just like a short series. No, they, they really, they really, really, really dedicated themselves to this series as an ongoing series. And it was, it, it was critically acclaimed too. Um, we got Janet Varney as Wonder Woman, Reed Scott as Green Arrow, Anika Nani Rose as Catwoman. So I'm assuming that Catwoman is going to be, uh, black in this one kevin pollock as the joker yuri longthal shout out to my man yuri as mirror master another character that was not in the original game or whatever uh game series or whatever fred tattishore as captain adam love these two so we got them we got uh rajah ghoul is going to be in here nightwing <laughs> is going to be in here um green lantern brian t delaney delaney is going to be uh playing that role uh cyborg is played by a white actor brandon michael hall that is going to be interesting they're swapping here apparently so uh okay we'll see how that goes um we also have andrew morgato as mirror master soldier so this is going to be an interesting take on all of this um and i oh, forgot for god's sakes edwin um hodge as Mr. Terrific is going to be here. He's played on Tomorrow Wars recently as well, and uh, the Purge election year, and in the in the original Purge as well. So, um, yeah. So this is an interesting cast. We'll see how this goes. I'm not as excited as I was when I first heard it because now of the character direction, but I'm pretty sure it will be good. I I do not. I I would be surprised if I expect it to come out of. Um, a, a a a high grade for me with this because of the character design in here so um we will see my, speaking of character design my last great news shout out to my previous guest jeffrey chomper cruz is scheduled to illustrate a new avengers series for marvel comics previous talk time live guest jeffrey jeff chamba uh chamba Cruz. He goes by Chompa, not the Chompa. <laughs> if you guys saw, uh, listened or watched that, um, he's known for mostly for working with Udon Entertainment, uh, drawing the Street Fighter franchise. Uh, he's also, I believe, he is, has done work with Marvel before for Venom and some other things. He had his own comic series as well. Uh, the series that he's working on with Marvel is called Tech on Avengers or Avengers Tech on Avengers, written by Jin Zub and in partnership with Bandai Spirits of Japan. 
The story of the series will involve Red Skull, who in, who has acquired a new power story of his life, um, which strips heroes of their powers and threatens to, uh, the entire world. This is where Tony Stark comes in because he goes on to work with some experimental new tech that could help the Avengers defeat Skull. Issue number one will also include a variant cover by popular Japanese artist uh, Aichi Shimu, uh, Shimizu, who also contributed uh, character design for the series, in addition to Chamba's magnificent artwork throughout the series. And if you go to Marvel, uh, com or Marvel's website, you can see some early panels of what uh, Chamba has done. Um, for those who had uh, had the chance to listen or watch the last interview I had with him, which was last year, you would have known that he resides in Australia when we talk. So the time zones are different. I say this because I spoke to him recently about coming back on the show to talk about his work on the show. And we're working on a date and time that he could connect on. Um, so he, he's always one of the nicest guys ever to talk with. Um, really had a great time talking on the last time. So we are work, we're going to be working hard to get him right now. He's working on getting deadlines for us. So I opted, I decided to tell him that I want to enjoy the fruits of your labor. So I will wait and, and touch back with you at a specific time to talk to, so we can set up our schedule and talk about the show, I mean, his work on the series, because guaranteed, if you've seen Chamba's work on Street Fighter and all of his work on his, um, follow him on uh, his uh, social media pages and all that stuff, he is awesome. Him and Longbow and uh, virtually all the um, guys at Udon are really great. So I'm really happy for him and I'm looking forward to having him on the show very soon. So stay tuned for that as well. So folks, that will do it for what's new on the in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break. Come back. The, the San Diego Comic-Con episodes are always long, so we're going to take a break. Come back, and I'm going to review Snake Eyes, uh, G.I. Joe Origin, and see if this tightened up uh, in comparison to the last two. We'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on TalkTimeLive.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! This is Tom Gibbous, the voice of Shikamaru Nara from Naruto, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. And it's not a drag. Do it. And now it's time for our top topic of the week. Ready? Wait. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and it is my review of Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins. This is, in fact, a reboot. I there was a commercial uh a, a a really funny commercial from cartoon network or adult swim um involving at uh, seth green created a uh a commercial to promote the movie 
and it had um actual it had henry golding in there reprising his role or just as henry golding talking about the movie and they were this was all done in robot chicken animation uh stop motion animation and it was pretty funny but in there they kept saying like you know the characters of, of robot chicken or i think they were gi joe characters were saying um like cobra commander and and destro and all those we're saying like why are we in the reboot and all this stuff and henry golding is saying this is not a reboot this is all this is a uh, prequel retelling it in in no this is a prequel he said and in fact no this is a reboot this is without a doubt a reboot this is so much of a reboot because of everything that has happened on air like if you watch the first two and especially if you watch the second uh gi joe retaliation with the rock on air then you know in fact that it's a reboot because they kind of do a a flashback in that movie of storm shadow and uh in snake eyes but they were kids then this movie does not focus anywhere on that flashback this is in fact starts everywhere from scratch and the now the, it, this whole movie starts with a flashback here and by the way i'm going off my memory here i'm not going off any notes that i made because you know i had to go to the movies to see all this <laughs> and then it's been a while since i've been in the movies and i had to remember all this stuff so i'm going totally by memory here and not by the fact that we were able to stream it on you know our screens one of the benefits of watching this at home so it starts off with a flashback as you know snake eyes as a kid they don't give him a name by the way even in the beginning it just shows a flashback with young snake eyes um played by uh max archibald in here and his father who is played by steven uh alaric they're supposedly going away on vacation and camping or whatnot and turns out that it's not really an actual vacation because young snake eyes and again they don't give him a name his name is totally not mentioned in this at all totally uh oblivious to anybody so the, the young snake eyes pretty much says you know i thought this was a a cabin or area or something like that I, um you called it a safe house i heard you on the phone the other night and called this a safe house um which stroke a little bit of worry from the father rightfully so because he shouldn't have he didn't want him to hear that and he made it just seem like they were just hot, you know away on vacation in fact that wasn't the case they were hiding from some it's like mercenaries we learn later on that they work with cobra so they end up finding them and i think a lot of it because that phone call that he made you know that transmission phone call that he made they were able to track him down they end up finding him and father wakes up uh young snake eyes and tells him to hide this at this point the kid is worried the kid is wondering what the hell is going on and they try to rush out but then they see a bunch of lights you know in their in their home in their safe house which means that people are there searching for him so he hides him in a rather a bathroom or a closet as he is trying to actually you know protect him he opens the door he sees all these guys here and turns out uh i believe uh, it was samuel finzi who played mr augustine which was i believe the guy who ended up killing uh snake eyes father 
and Snake Eyes managed to escape and get away. They managed to get out of him. But before that, they shot and killed um, his father, who they never reveal his name again as well. Um, we learn later on that the guy, his father was in, uh, pretty much a member of G.I. Joe. And they end up getting him. So by the way, they actually do kill G.I. Joe members and they kill Cobra members in this movie. That's a big change here. Snake Eyes winds up escaping and somehow some way he just grows up at, on his own and he takes on he calls himself the name Snake Eyes because basically what happened is that while before his father died, Mr. Augustine, I believe that's who the guy was. Mr. Augustine gave, uh, gave him um, to roll a die and, and, and rolls uh, like a roll of dice and uh, told him, you know, Bet on your life. You uh, you get it right. You end odds. What was it? Like it was uh, odds. You live evens. You die or whatever. How that rolled it, uh, it rolls. So he rolled, and it went to Snake Eyes. Now lo and behold, we find out later on that these these die that he ended up uh, using are are like tricks. So like he was gonna die anyway. They always gonna follow Snake Eyes, and that's how the kid ended up calling himself Snake Eyes from day one. We go into years later, he's an adult, he's working with the Yakuza and he's smuggling, you know, he's gun, you know, he's smuggling guns and storing guns inside these large, you know, fish to be stored and, you know, um, laundried over to whatever. And they're just drugs. They're gun smuggling pretty much. Um, unbeknownst to him that he thinks he's working for the Yakuza. It's we learn later on. It's not really the Yakuza. That's, that's a part of this. Um, Andrew Koji who we know from the show Warrior and other movies uh, is playing the role of Tommy. And that's pretty much all we get from there now. So basically something happens and occurs where um, Snake Eyes and Tommy are in a situation where they find out Tommy has been working for, you know, a competition or the enemy or whatnot. And he they order Snake Eyes to kill Tommy. He doesn't do it. He ends up helping him. Tommy owes him a debt of uh, gratitude and for, you know, for his life and decides to take him in to what is known as the Arashi Kagi. For those who don't know that Japanese term, I believe that means the shadow storm. Um, Arashi is, I believe, a storm. Kage is shadow. So they basically it's shadow storm is basically not just the name of our favorite G.I. Joe character, but it is the name of the ninja clan that he belongs to. So, uh, and it's funny because they were saying Arashi the entire time, uh, the, the, the absolute entire time, uh, of the movie, like rather they knew fans would know what that means with the Japanese term mean, or we would find out later on. But yeah, it, it goes, it really just turns out that, you know, um, the Arashikage is actually the name of the ninja clan, not just Shadow Storm, the member itself. So uh, he invites him to be a part of the clan. And, you know, this character known as Akiko, played by Hiroka Abe, or Abe, uh, is their main guard. She is like the, uh, the, like the, Strongholder, but she runs everything, you know. Um, 
and she pretty much doesn't trust him at all. She doesn't. She thinks she he's going to be a he's going to be a liability to the entire clan, um, which in some cases she was right, because lo and behold, all of this was a it was an elaborate setup uh, by who was it? I think it was Kenta who set this whole thing up for him and Kenta wanted him to infiltrate the Arashikage to retrieve this powerful uh, gem that was an inheritance to the family to Tommy's family and so what the cool part I like about this is that we didn't know, it was a whole double cross situation because Kenta asked Snake Eyes to infiltrate the company to retrieve the, um, the, the actual gem and in, and in return they would find him the man who killed his father which all this time we find out that that man was working for cobra and in fact snake eyes is also working for cobra so i like the way that was well written i i really enjoyed that um but as snake eyes is in the arashikage he also is you know being trained he's being tested for his loyalty he's being tested to see if he could be he does so by being challenged by not only akiko but also the hard master played by Iko Awais, who is majorly popularly known for uh, the raid in the raid two. Um, we got Peter Menashe, uh, Minsa, I believe, who's playing Blind Master. Now, if you guys remember, on and I think the awesome part about him is that on G.I. Joe Retaliation, they had a Blind Master before. The Blind Master was played by none other than the RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan. So instead of just making an entire, like they not only just made an entirely new Blind Master, but they kept him black. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Like I would have loved to see the RZA, but the RZA, having the RZA on air would have associated them with that version of G.I. Joe, which they're distancing themselves. It is pretty obvious by now that they're distancing themselves from that movie. But to still have a black character playing the blind master, I thought was awesome. And in some cases, to me, it feels like a nod to that series, to that movie as well. So uh, I liked his presence in here. I liked the way they handled him on here. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, it was some other great characters, including and why this connects. And I thought this was a great job to do. While there was not none of your favorite G.I. Joe characters on here, there were two that were on here, and there were two that mattered. One was Ursula Cabero uh, as the Baroness. Now, I've never seen her anything else, but I felt that she fit the part. She played it well. She looked the part. Uh, I really liked her as Baroness in here. I thought she was really cool. Uh, Samara Weaving as Scarlet. Uh, also, somebody I'm not too familiar with, although, as I looked at my IMDb page, she was in... Um, Bill and Ted's Face to Music, which I have not seen yet, so I'll probably see her soon when I finally get a chance to watch that movie, which I believe is out now on Hulu or something like that. But she plays Scarlet, and I thought she also played the role in part. Now, we gotta understand, the roles that every one of these characters are playing aren't hard to pull off. It's just making the story right. Because again, these characters are all based on a cartoon which was also based on a toy line and then a comic book so in hindsight these all of these 
forms of uh, content were loosely based. So they're finally coming up with a story and narrative that makes sense with the essence of what we loved about the actual series. So to me, I felt like everybody played their role really well. Like if you're trying to compare, and I hate when people do this, I hate when people try to compare movies based on cartoon, like 80s cartoons and try to make them feel like the 80s cartoons was like Emmy award winning. They were not. They had so many plot holes in those cartoons. And like I said, I love every, I love GI Joe, I love Transformers. I love He-Man, um, you name it, mask, all of those. But if you go back and look at modern day eyes, there was a lot of plot holes. There was a lot of inconsistencies. There was some logic issues, especially because of the time and era, the, the amount of imagination that they made for these cartoons back in the day did not make any sense because in a lot of it was, it wasn't a, a fact of being lazy, you know, writers. It was a matter of, they didn't think that far ahead. And during those times, we've never seen anything like this. They were experimenting on the ideas that they were providing for this. And back then it made sense, but now we're a little bit smarter. We're, in some cases, we're a lot more smarter. And some of the things we're, we're now filling the gaps of the holes of those plots. In G.I. Joe, I thought, you know, this G.I. Joe Origins, I thought they did pretty good with this. I think this was definitely better than Wolverine Origins, I can tell you that. <laughs> but, you know, I really enjoyed what they did. I like the fact that they brought in Scarlet because like the comic, and I believe like the cartoon, there was a certain friendship or attraction between, you know, Snake Eyes and Scarlet. It's never been really thoroughly you know, developed to talk about, but he has some allegiance to Scarlet in here. So having Scarlet in this makes all the sense in the world. And I believe in the last movie, they also did that too. Uh, they, they focused on that too. So it, it made all the sense in the world. Didn't have the Baroness on here. I thought that was really cool too. Just to, just to establish Cobra's existence in here. So what I love about this is that I felt like this was, in terms of writing and storytelling, this was way tighter than what they did with the last two movies. And honestly, I'm not going to lie. I, I will say this. I didn't mind the last two movies because, like I said, they were based on loosely plotted cartoons back in the day. So, like, how far off are they in comparison to that? But I give them credit for this one, that they're this, they, this reboot. They're really putting some emphasis and some effort into making sure this thing is actually can be marketable, can be legit, can be something that we love and follow here. I like where this is going. I like the direction that they're going. I didn't mind the fact that we didn't see Snake Eyes in full form. I thought it was very interesting, however, that I was waiting the entire movie, the entire movie to see Snake Eyes, you know, become deaf. You know, he wouldn't be able to talk. Uh, you know, because the idea of Snake Eyes is that he does not talk. He had dialogue all through this movie, and I, understandably so. I thought this was going to lead to him not having not having the ability to talk, whether he, a part of his vocals were taken out, or I don't know how they're going to do it or what they're going to do, but um, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, Henry Golden's performance, though, with that said, I loved it. It really made us uh, get to know Snake Eyes a lot more before he becomes the actual Snake Eyes. Um, Andrew Koji was awesome. Andrew, first of all, I love him in Warrior. 
I watch Warrior. For those who have not watched Warrior, go out of your way to check out Warrior. If you own HBO uh, Max, he, that show is on air. That show is based on the actual writings of Bruce Lee and what was meant to be the original Kung Fu premise. Like for those who don't know, like Bruce Lee, the concept of Kung Fu, the David Carradine movie, um, was actually based on the writings of Bruce Lee. And he brought that concept to Hollywood and Hollywood stole it and made their own version starring David Carradine. Tell me, tell me if that doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> they pretty much whitewashed the entire thing. It's been done before. This was one of those cases and Warrior was made and, and you know, overlooked and uh, by Sharon, uh, Shannon Lee, uh, daughter of Bruce Lee and the Bruce Lee Foundation to make sure that this was done exactly the way he wanted it to be. And that show is awesome. So, uh, yeah, go out of your way, check it out. But Andrew Koji is the main star of that. And he is he was awesome there and he's awesome in here. Um, I like the way that they slowly builded him to, you know, being Snake Eyes' best friend or most loyal person to him hating him at the end because he deceived him. He, you know, you know, Tommy trusted him. And then all, all on top of all this, the flip side of this is that he went to try to kill uh, Kenta and tried to kill him for, uh, you know, once he retrieved a you know, st uh, stone. But the... Um, the, the actual priest, uh, what is it? the head of the uh, Arashi, um, Arashi uh, Kage, you know, forbade him from doing that. And he wound up doing it anyway. And for, because of that, she ended up kicking him out and disbanding him. Well, not even kicking him. She didn't really kick him out, per se. She basically just, you know, told him that he would never run and rule the Arashi Kage. So... He got pissed off and felt that like that was his lineage. That was his bloodline. He deserves to be on top. But due to his actions, they will not they would not allow it. And therefore, he decided to leave and, you know, leave the, the clan. And then near the end of the story, the end credit or the mid end credit scene, we see that he's um, on a plane and Scar and uh, Baroness is portraying herself as a stewardess. He's almost about to kill her. She's not worried about it at all, but she sits down with him and offers him a deal. And he's just all for it and said, no, you don't, I'm no longer Tommy. You just call me Storm Shadow. And there you have it. Like we knew he was going to be Storm Shadow, but I love the way this story progressed. So overall folks, loved this movie. I really enjoyed this. Um, it wasn't a game changer in a sense of like, it blew me away like a Marvel movie would, but I thought it was a great effort done. It tightened up some things that the other two movies didn't tighten up. And it looks like this is the beginning of something, to, you know, things to come, some really good things to come. I thought this was every bit as good as what Bumblebee was when they did that. And I'm looking forward to how this is going to come together. Um, in, in a sense, I don't know what they're going to do next. Are they going to continue with Snake Eyes uh, journey? Are they going to you know, go to another G.I. Joe origin, you know, I, if they do, they need to do Luke. I mean, I, I'm sorry, Luke, they need to do Duke because I didn't, I, I was not a fan as much as I say, I, I, I liked the G.I. Joe movies. I really was not a fan of Channing Tatum as Duke. I, it's something he just was not a, he didn't, he didn't give off the Duke vibe. I felt like this is one of those 
situations where Hollywood likes a popular name that will draw more attention instead of getting a actor that will actually play the role and look the part and maybe homegrown talent to into fame like uh i don't know hugh jackman and x-men and they just went with it like he he just something about him and that's partially why i i, I can't really quote this but i feel like that's why he got killed off in the second movie i with with rumors that he was supposed to make a comeback but it is it was what it was um wasn't exactly as much as i love dwayne johnson wasn't too thrilled about him being gi joe and i remember i just watched this nation whatever we're talking about um they had this discussion about why dwayne johnson is one of the most famous actors out there like why everybody uses him to help build their franchise and they mentioned gi joe retaliation and i'm like yeah you say that but now we got a reboot so it really didn't do it too much justice in this case i mean he was good as roadblock but the idea of making him the main character was no was just as absurd as making holly berry the main character on x-men it just it it i just just was not not good at all so but with that said i like this this direction that they're going with this i thought this was really strong i didn't see too many plot holes or anything or did anything wrong with what was going on i forgot to mention i like where they're going with this with the amount of imagination they have for this as well you know some of the tests that snake eyes had to do was involving him in a pit of giant anacondas i don't think there are any anacondas that huge but the absurdity of the scale of these anacondas are just ridiculously big and i like where this is going because this means if they bring in giant anacondas into the picture that means it as far as imagination goes and what they do for the series they could go anywhere with this um so i am looking forward to seeing how this goes and what they're going to do and um gi joe is off to a good start it's off to a good start with this one um wasn't the best thing i've seen all year definitely but definitely it, it's it's a strong movie it's a strong start for the gi joe franchise so for that if i give it a grade i give it a I give it about a b plus I, I would give it a b plus i thought it was in comparison to um what i saw with the original two it like those are like c plus to me this is a b plus because i think they made pretty big strides with this and i'm looking forward to i'm looking very much forward to seeing what they do next with this so folks that will do it for this extended episode of talk time live thank you guys for listening and i would like to thank every single listener every single subscriber who downloaded this in every episode and even past episodes and interviews because as of now we have officially made a new monthly record and we're now hitting the 31,000 uh, number thank you thank you thank you and it actually the awesome part about this is that it actually hit the numbers hit before the month is over it, i feel like these numbers hit usually right before the actual uh you know end of the month but in fact we're like about just a week away from august and what a way to end this week by being able to supersede the number that i already did last month and i didn't expect to have a bigger number last month in fact yes we did we hit thirty-one thousand new download monthly record i love this Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. it. Humbles my heart. 
to know that you guys are enjoying the content that I provide here. Um, and it's just, it's just an awesome ride. I love it. I love everything I do. I love the four fandoms that I live by and, um, please thank you so very much. So thank you folks this week on select start our video game podcast. I got two big games coming out this week, uh, but I'm only going to review one per week. So beginning, I will be reviewing Neo. The world ends with you. I will absolutely review that and uh, give you my thoughts on that. I've already played the demo. I loved it so far. I love the original. It was one of the, I consider it a absolute classic, maybe one of the greatest RPGs of our time, of the modern era. So how did they follow up with this? They got, they got it all on 3D now. They got a whole new fun control scheme that is, uh, that is on. So now it's just up to the story. See how that goes. See where the cliffhangers they got. This is like the equivalent of the sixth sense. Honestly, if I can compare this to any movie, like, uh, the world ends with you is the gaming equivalent of the sixth sense, the very M night, M night Shyamalan ending for the first one. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they did with this one. The week following, I will review Samurai Warriors 5. Unfortunately, both of them come out today. I mean, not today. They both come out on Tuesday, along with the Guilty Gear DLC with Dickinson. So I will be talking about my playthrough with him as well on air. Uh, so stay tuned for that and any other news that goes on in the world of gaming. Uh, next week, I don't know what I'm going to be reviewing or talking about. It may just fall into me doing two things. I could possibly review The World Ends With You anime. Uh, which is on Funimation or I can rewatch the Neon Genesis Evangelion series that I've been trying to go back to to see if I really can I can really tolerate the new cast and all that stuff that they changed on there and talk about that because you know I talked about this with um, Amanda Miller when she was on the show a while back and saying that I think people didn't give it a chance because they were so surprised at what happened. They were expecting the original cast. They were expecting to fly me to the moon thing. And unbeknownst to anybody, they just put it out there thinking nobody would care about the preservation of the original show. And lo and behold, that's not what happened. They 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 told they didn't tell anybody that they were changing the cast. They did they told they didn't tell anybody that they would take out that iconic song. And in fact, it is. So I want to possibly give it another chance. So it may be this week or maybe the week after or whatever, depending if another movie is not arrive anytime soon. But I will have something to talk about or any news that will come up. That could be anything. So stay tuned for next week as well. But we'll, we got you. We got you covered. There's always something related to our favorite fandoms there. So if you want to listen to this episode and every other episode, one of the best ways to do it is to go to our official website at talktimelive.com. You could check out all of our podcasts. You could check out our video exclusive podcast, uh, video versions of our podcast. You can also check out our media page with the read pop panels that I did uh, about a month ago. It's been a month now. So I did it with some of your favorite anime casts, uh, English dub, of course can't go wrong and you can also see all of the guests you can see the list of all the guests that i had on the show you can go into the podcast page go into the search engine type in rather the name of the people that you want to listen to based on the list that i have or you could type in ttl exclusive 
and you can see all of the list of people that I have. The recent one I just uploaded was Ruben Langdon because that wasn't up there. It was the very first Ruben Langdon out of the three or four that I had with him, four, I believe. And um, we got possibly two in the works. One of them, knock on wood, hopefully can be this week. So we will see. Uh, the other one is going to be uh, Chamba. We're going to wait to get, uh, get him situated with Marvel projects that he's working on. And we'll get him back on the show straight from Australia and talk about that and more. So if you want to subscribe and download to your favorite podcast platforms, you can do so on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, Pandora, Pocket Cast, And of course, shout out to all you in my uh, Tumblr um, community out there. So thank you, everybody. Once again, this has just been awesome. I can't thank you enough. I mean, we are celebrating my 10th anniversary and 10 year anniversary of my, um, of my, you know, prior business and design firm. And this is adding on to it, man. I really appreciate it. I can't wait, um, to do this and much more coming down the line. So stay tuned for all that. But I just want to say this, please people keep everyone safe. Keep yourself safe. Continue to mask up. If, if you are not vaccinated and please get vaccinated as soon as possible, be a hero. That's all I'm going to say. That'll do it for me, folks. On behalf of myself, this is Dak Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life and love all things, anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care, people. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.